Hello and welcome back to Christian Life Church Online. We're really glad you've joined with us. We've been talking over the last several weeks about uh, fanning the flame and really it's been a theme on revival. And uh, last week I was sharing with you about uh, the need for uh, purity and um, that's, just, that's just being you know, pure in, in heart, pure in action. We've talked about charity and that being uh, that other people's reputations are safe with us, that we're kind. Last week I also talked about chastity, a word that's not that well used today, but it really speaks of, of moral and sexual purity. Also talked about humility. And the whole thing was maintaining these, these uh, four aspects of our lives so as not to grieve the Holy Spirit. And we talked about how grieving the Holy Spirit is causing the Holy Spirit to, you know, withdraw, to be offended. It's like putting water on a fire. And the truth is that many Christians struggle in these four areas and oftentimes need help to break the cycle. Now, a lot of times we need the help and we don't necessarily know to ask or we just begin to adapt and think, well, this is just normal. This is how I'm going to live my Christian life. And so we live this cycle of failure, sin, repenting, you know, feeling sorrowful for it and then failing again and sinning and having sorrow and repenting. And, and it, it's just a, a, a cycle that can go on for years in our lives as followers of Christ. And we live in this constant state of regret and shame and guilt. Now, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Jesus actually said in Matthew 26, 41, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so I want to talk to you today about what it is to walk in the spirit, what it is to, to live by the spirit. See, we need the Holy Spirit. And I really want you to think about this for a moment. But the disciples had Jesus for three years, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They walked where he walked. They ate with him. They were there when he calmed storms. They were there when he fed multitudes miraculously. They were there when he healed the sick, when he raised the dead. They served him and he taught them. And they did life full time with Jesus for three years. You might say they had the best education available to them. And then Jesus was talking about uh, his upcoming death on the cross. And, and he actually said to the disciples, you guys are going to betray me. And, and it was in Matthew 26, 31, where he says, this very night, you will fall away on, on account of me. Now, Peter didn't like hearing that. He was one of the 12 disciples. And, and he said, look, even if everybody falls away on account of you, I'll never leave. Now, he really, I think, had good intentions and, and really meant what he said. Well, then we find that Jesus gets arrested in chapter 26, verse 56 of Matthew. And what's it say? It says that all the disciples deserted him and fled. They all abandoned him. At the first sign of trouble. Now my text today is found in Acts chapter 1 verse 4 to 5. And here's what it says. On, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, 
But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak of. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk today about the, the third person, first of all. The third person of the Trinity. We understand when we think of the, the Trinity, we think of God the Father. God the Father was, was the creator. He is all-powerful. He is everlasting. We are also very familiar with Jesus the Son. We understand his life, his works, his teaching. We, we follow the gospel of Jesus and, and we believe in Jesus for salvation. The third person of the Trinity is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus actually said in John chapter 16, verse 7, he said, it is for your good that I'm going away. He said, unless I go away, the advocate will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so Jesus is talking about his death. He's talking about his resurrection. He's talking about his ascension to heaven. And he actually says to the disciples, it's better for you if I'm not here. Because if I go, then I will send the comfort. I'll send the Holy Spirit. He emphasized the need of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it, it talks about this. And, and why? Why did, he, why did he emphasize the need for the Holy Spirit? Because he knew that for the follower of Christ, that it would transform them, it would change them, and it would give them great empowerment, Holy Spirit empowerment. You see, the key to living a victorious Christian life is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our source of power for Christian living. And I want to encourage you with that. If you're struggling in your Christian life, if you're struggling in your walk with, with purity, with, with being uh, charitable toward others, with being chaste or, or, or having chastity in your life, with humility or other sins, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that can make a difference in your life. And so I want to talk secondly about that power, about the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, I just mentioned this a moment ago, but, but here's what it says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Holy Spirit came upon the believers in the upper room as they waited, as they were instructed, don't leave the city until you've received power, until you've received the Holy Spirit. And then we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 2 to 4, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It talks about the violent wind, talks about tongues of fire. The Holy Spirit came in. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it's very interesting that this Peter, this same Peter, who when he was asked by a little girl if he was a follower of Jesus, if he had been with Jesus, he swore up and down. And he actually denied Jesus three times. So here's this, this same Peter, who, who following the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, in Acts chapter 2, verse 14 to 41, he preaches this powerful message, I'm sure, to the same people that crucified Jesus, or many of the same. And 3,000 that day were added to the kingdom. This powerful message, 
no holds barred, didn't pull any punches. He said it was like it was, and 3,000 people were saved that day. Now, throughout the book of Acts, we see signs, we see wonders, we see miracles, we see Christians withstanding persecution, going to their death for professing Jesus as Savior. And the difference, the difference was the Holy Spirit. And it was promised by Jesus in John 14, 12, that you will do greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. The Holy Spirit empowers the believer to live. The Holy Spirit in, in, empowers the believer to, to overcome sin. The Holy Spirit enables and empowers the believer to, to perform miracles and, and to, to do great things, to withstand persecution and even uh, stand in the face of death. And so I want to talk third about uh, living in the Spirit. We established the fact that even though the disciples lived and walked with Jesus, they were still weak. When the hour of trouble came, they all forsook Jesus. Now Jesus said he was going to go away, and he promised to send the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. They were baptized by the Holy Spirit, and there was this immediate change that took place in their lives. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's power had come upon them. They had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they were living, as we say, with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. They went from cowards to being powerful proclaimers of the gospel, who stood in the face of persecution, who, who stood up to people who told them that they weren't to preach or speak in the name of Jesus, and they went out and they did it anyway, boldly and without fear. The Holy Spirit changed their lives. Now in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And this is what I want to talk about for a few moments here today. We've established the fact that the Holy Spirit empowers us and gives us boldness. That everything changes. That, that, that these weak disciples of Jesus who, who betrayed him at the first sign of trouble now became powerful preachers who stood boldly and walked boldly for Jesus because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. But then in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it kind of brings it right back to how we walk, how we live. And here's what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Do you ever struggle with the desires of the flesh? You know, feeling really tied down to this world and tied to this world. Uh, maybe dealing with discontentment and, and temptation and various things like that. Well, here's something that is very interesting. Paul says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Well, how do we do this? How do we keep from indulging the flesh? And consequently, then grieving the Holy Spirit or, or uh, offending the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? See, many believers have secretly decided to allow themselves to live disobedient lives to Jesus. They've allowed themselves or given themselves an excuse to, 
to take passages of scripture that, that really command or demand our obedience to Christ and saying, I, I know it's there, but I can't do it. I'm going to give myself, you know, a hall pass on that one. I'm, I'm going to give myself a get a jail free ticket on that one. I, I, I just can't do it. And so they struggle sometimes for years with, with secret sins, with private sin, with hidden sin. They may struggle for years with attitudes, actions, and intentions, and thoughts that are not good, not glorifying to God. It's very interesting that the Holy Spirit helps us to repent of those sins. And what does that mean? To turn our back on them and to turn to God. And then, instead of giving ourselves uh, permission to live a disobedient life, we can now walk in obedience to God by walking in the Spirit 24-7. Now, here's the thing. The disciples walked with Jesus 24-7. And when the hour of, of trouble came, they denied knowing him. They ran away from him. They were weak. Even though they had walked with Jesus, there was still something missing. And then Jesus says, unless I go away, you know, I won't send the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus went to heaven. And what does he do? He sends us the Holy Spirit. And the message to us is we're actually better off. We're actually better off than those 12 disciples who got to walk with him. And the promise in the scripture is that we'll do even greater things. Not because we're great, but because of the Holy Spirit. When we're walking in the Spirit, we're not just, you know, doing the right things by going to church on Sunday. Here's the crunch. When we walk in the Spirit, we are... Um, praying, and we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to break that down a little more clearly in a few minutes. When the disciples were with Jesus, he told them what to do. He told them where to go. He instructed them on how to do things, you know, go and take the fish and, and the loaves and, and uh, distribute among the people. And lo and behold, there is this miracle. Thousands of people were fed. He went out in the boat with them. There was a storm. They were there. They saw the miracle of Jesus speaking to the wind and the waves and calming a storm. They watched Jesus walk on water. They watched Jesus raise people back to life from death. And so they were with him. And, and they were able to go and, and do the things that Jesus did with them. Now, we don't have Jesus physically to do that like the 12 disciples did. What Jesus has given us instead is the Holy Spirit. And so just like the disciples had Jesus 24-7, we have the Holy Spirit 24-7. So it kind of is like this. When I head to work, I'm yielded. I'm listening. I'm saying, Holy Spirit, lead me. Let me be led by you today. Maybe 
help me to be sensitive to, to the Holy Spirit. Help me with decisions I have to make, with people I have to interact with. When you're heading into a store, you may sense this quickening of the Holy Spirit to say, you know, be open. There's, there's, there may be opportunities for you to talk to somebody, to, to speak words of life to them. When you're sitting down to watch TV, you don't leave the Holy Spirit outside the TV room, but, but you, turn, you don't turn off the Holy Spirit. But, but even as you're watching television, even as you're being entertained, you're listening to the Spirit. You are sensitive to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there with you and, and may give you a sense of conviction or a check in your spirit or there's something you've seen or heard or, or something that's been said on television that actually offends the Holy Spirit and, and you're quickened in your heart to change the channel or turn off the TV and go do something else. You flip on the computer and, and you're aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is at work in the deepest recesses of our lives, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, speaking, leading, convicting, prompting, directing. And as we become aware and conscious of the Holy Spirit, we just expect the Holy Spirit to, to be present. And then we begin to see a difference in our lives where we are able to be pure, where we are able to be charitable toward others, to be kind, where we're able to, to walk in moral purity, where we're able to walk in humility because the Holy Spirit is there. You're walking in the Spirit. The Spirit is present. The Holy Spirit is with you just as Jesus was with the disciples. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 to 13, Paul says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. The Holy Spirit is at work in you. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. God is working in you through the Holy Spirit. And when we try and, and change, when we try and overcome sin on our own, we're fighting a losing battle. We'll always lose when we try on our own. We'll always lose. We'll never be able to overcome the flesh on our own. But the Holy Spirit at work in our lives 24-7 helps us to walk in victory. As we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us with fear and trembling, we become more careful. We become more sensitive, more yielded, more submissive to the voice of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Charles Finney, the old revivalist from a couple hundred years ago, said, put it this way. He says, if you mean to be filled with the Spirit, you must be childlike and yield to His influences. Just as yielding as air. If He's drawing you to prayer, you must quit everything to yield to His gentle striving. No doubt you've sometimes felt a desire to pray for some object and, and you put it off and, and resisted and, until God left you. And if you wish him to remain, you must yield to his softest leadings and watch to learn what he would have you do and yield yourself up to his guidance. That's an interesting statement. Sometimes we resist God 
until he leaves us alone. And you see, it's, this is the state I think a lot of Christians are in and why they struggle with sin is because they haven't known to yield to the Holy Spirit. They haven't known necessarily to, to listen to the Spirit's leadings or promptings. And, and they haven't learned to distinguish that, that that feeling, that gut feeling you have, that, that sense of conviction is actually the Holy Spirit. They just think, oh, it's, it's just me. And so they turn it off. They learn to ignore it until that voice is quieted in their lives. And now there's no more conviction. Now there's no more um, promptings. There's no more checks in the spirit. You're just kind of going along, walking after the flesh instead of being led by the spirit. And, and I like what he says, you, lead, you, you must yield to his softest leadings and watch to learn what he'd have you do and yield yourself up to his guidance. We have a voice, we have a mind, we have a body, we have a will, but it is not us that lives, it must be the Holy Spirit living in us and through us, being completely yielded, completely surrendered. Now, we're gonna fall, we're gonna fail, we're gonna struggle, we're, we're human beings, we're going to sin. In fact, the Bible says, if you say you're without sin, you're a liar. And so what do we do when we fall down, when we fall flat in our face? When we don't yield to the Spirit? When we don't listen to the Spirit's promptings? We get back up, we ask the Lord to forgive us, and we start over again. Come back, you repent. You know, when I was a young person, uh, I learned very early on in my walk with God that you can listen to the Holy Spirit in some of the very practical areas of your life, when you don't know what to do, the Holy Spirit can guide you and will lead you. So I was this, this uh, teenager, and I happened, when I was a young person, to love motorcycles and motorcycling and dirt biking. Every single day of the summer, the spring, the fall, I would go out riding. I would ride as much as I could. I loved motorcycles. I would eat, breed, drink, and sleep motorcycles. I had motorcycle magazines. I had motorcycle pictures in my, in my bedroom. I mean, my life was all about motorcycles. Now, I loved Jesus. Of course, I did. But I loved motorcycles. And this opportunity came along uh, to get into racing motorcycles, uh, cross-country racing, enduro racing. And I really wanted to do it. But I felt the Holy Spirit say, no, it's not for you. You see, the races would have been on Sundays. And as I, as I thought about it, as I prayed about it, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, no, this won't be good for you. You will lose out. This is going to cost you. And so when the opportunity came, when the question came, do you want to join up? Do you want to race? I was, no, I, I don't. Now, I'm not saying that uh, every motorcyclist that races a motorcycle on a Sunday is, is not listening to God because this was my journey, this was my walk, and I'm not disparaging anybody else in their walk. But for me, in this situation, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, no, this is not for you. You're going to lose out. It'll cost you. And so I said, no. Jim Simbola quoted a gentleman saying this. He said, to be conscious of the Holy Spirit solves 90% of our problems. The key to be aware of and in touch 
with the Holy Spirit is being conscious, being aware, listening, obeying. In Romans chapter 8, verse 5, it says, Those who live in accord and with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. You can have the best Bible education. You can have a master's degree in theology, a doctorate in theology. You can attend church regularly. You can quote scripture. You can witness. You can profess to the ends of the earth that you are a Christian. But to really experience victory in your life, you have to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. You have to learn to obey the Holy Spirit. You can have all of the credentials and be ungodly and carnal and have a heart that's after the world instead of after the Holy Spirit and what God wants. You see, desires are really hard to change. They're really hard to overcome. But the Holy Spirit can help us with every one of them. So I want to close with these words. We can yell and scream at the world all we want and say, you shouldn't sin, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, you should be like us. The only thing that changes any of us is that we become new creations in Christ Jesus. That we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we receive the Holy Spirit. That we understand that the Holy Spirit changes and empowers us to witness. And when the Holy Spirit empowers us to witness, the result is that people respond to Jesus. Jesus didn't come to change sinners or make them behave better. He came to save us. And it's the Holy Spirit living in us, living in those who are saved. It's the Holy Spirit living in us, learning to listen and learning to obey that really brings about the change that you and I want. Now we've been talking about revival for the last few weeks. We are praying for revival in Christian Life Church. We're praying for revival to happen in our whole city. We're praying for revival to sweep over our nation. Revival starts with the individual. It starts with praying. It starts with calling out to God. It starts with believing that God wants to pour out His Spirit on all flesh in these last days. It starts with us yearning and, and, and longing for a move of the Spirit. But a revived Christian, somebody that's experiencing revival, takes those prayers and they begin to be the answered prayer. They get revived. They get spiritually renewed and revived. And how does that happen? We learn to walk in the Spirit. We learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. We learn to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, you will have revival. When all of us do that, we will have revival. And the Holy Spirit will not be grieved. And you will see the Lord do great and marvelous things. You will see people miraculously healed and set free and people coming to Christ. But it starts with us as believers, as followers of Jesus, being personally revived, learning to walk in the Spirit, learning to obey the voice of the Spirit. And I pray that that happens for you today. I believe God is doing a new work in, 
in us today. I believe God is sending revival. I believe that God is stirring his church. I believe God is waking up sleeping saints. I believe that, 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 that fallowed ground is being plowed up, stirred up, and, and there are seeds of revival that are being planted and are growing. And I pray that this happens for you. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, I pray that you will experience the power of the Holy Spirit, listening to the voice of the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. And Heavenly Father, I pray for everybody here today that's listening, that you would send revival, that you would revive us, O Lord, that we would be people that would learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. Now, you may be listening, and, and maybe you've never given your life to Christ. The Holy Spirit loved, would, would be speaking to us, and, 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 and God loves you. Jesus died for you. He gave his life for you, and he wants you to accept him. And you say, well, I'm not good enough. You don't have to be good enough. I don't want to give up my, my old ways. Well, what I'm asking you to do is, is, is open your heart and life to Jesus, and you allow the Holy Spirit to change you. You allow the Holy Spirit to give you a new heart. You allow the Holy Spirit to give you new desires. You'll be amazed at what the Lord can do in your life. Well, I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you for uh, turning on this channel. You could have been anywhere else, but um, thank you for joining us. And if you want to get in touch with us for any reason, contact us through our website, clcwinnipeg.ca. If you're out of town, or if you're in Winnipeg and you're looking for a church to attend, you don't have another church to attend, check us out. Uh, our meeting times are on our website and uh, our location is there. We'd love to have you come and, uh, and be part of uh, a worship service with us. On February the 1st, we have a fantastic night of prayer and worship planned. And Mateo Acosta is going to be with us with a worship team and we are going to expect and believe the God for a move of the Holy Spirit upon the church. I believe it's going to be a very special night. So it's going to be Wednesday, February the 1st, 7 o'clock at 1042 Jefferson. We'd love to have you join us. Well, thanks for being with us today. God bless you and God willing, we'll see you next week.